What's going on, everyone? Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And on today's episode, we've got some interesting NFL topics that we're going to present, uh, a preview and a review of some games. And the first of our two, the first two NBA rebuilds are also going to be on this episode. So I'm looking forward to that. Let me introduce you guys now to the rest of the crew. What's going on, guys? It is Connor, the co-host with the most. Uh, it's been a pretty good week. The Steelers are 5-0, and barring some miracle from Ezekiel Elliott. My fantasy team in the family league is going to be 6-0. and So uh, I'm riding high this week, other than Washington uh, biting me in the butt on the lockboard a little bit. But I'm excited to talk about the games and try and uh, pull off a miracle in the rebuild with Eric that you guys will see later. And what's going on, y'all? Eric, your ranting co-host here. My lock board this week sucked. Uh, we will be getting to that. Um, <laughs> definitely not happy with how that went. Uh, Got to rant on yourself this time. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely rant about my performance. Hopefully this week I'll turn it around. And Connor and I, Knicks fans, Connor and I are going to do our absolute best for you guys. Got you. Got you. Uh, that's that's why I said a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? Nate here. Um, had a, a, basically, you guys know what I'm going to say each week, but Lockboard, not too great this week, but um, looking forward to, um, I got some better ideas coming this week, I think, so it should be a fun episode. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, like, you didn't sound very optimistic about the Lockboard, but that, that ending there, wow, we'll see Better ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so as always, guys, we're going to start around the shield. Got a new picture up for the YouTube. Kind of had a sloppy looking thing earlier, but I forgot we had this uh, alternate logo. We've got the alternate football and basketball logos now for the <laughs> for the YouTube viewing. <laughs> um, but we've got a couple topics, like I mentioned. We are going to preview the Steelers and Titans, and then we're going to talk about tanking because that's really relevant right now with the Jaguars. And then we're going to go do a review of last week with the Packers and Buccaneers. But we'll start things off first with a preview between the Steelers and Titans. And I'll let Connor, the Steelers fan here on the podcast, give his thoughts on the, on the game first. But I do want to say that all four of us are going to be maybe are going to be making score predictions for this game. And if anybody gets the score exactly right, um, then they get five extra lockboard points. So that could definitely High help stakes. out. Um, <laughs> that can definitely be a boost <laughs> for a lot of people uh, and, and help me with my lead on the lockboard. So, uh, yeah. So be thinking, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, Zach's but... the one that needs help. <laughs> I said, help me on the lead. Yeah. Like, I Nate, I think, I, man, like you need to help Nate out a little bit rather than helping your lead. Nate, Nate, I need help. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. It can, help, it can help make you come back, and it can also help expand the lead. But um, but yeah, so be, be thinking, be thinking. Uh, maybe roll some dice or something to get to a score number that you like. Um, and, uh, <laughs> what if it and, comes up like sixty six? Like, <laughs> hey, you know, gotta do it. <laughs> yeah, um, but let's hear from Connor first about this game. Two five and O teams facing off this week it was supposed to be a couple weeks ago, but we're getting it now. Hopefully, um, Connor, try and give an unbiased uh, review. <laughs> this, 
preview of this game, and then you can be biased with your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So basically, I mean, this game is it's. I, I will say, going into this year, had you told me that both of these teams would be five and zero at this point, like they'd be two of the remaining ones, I would have thought you were crazy. Like even with the Steelers, I mean, I had a high opinion of the Steelers, but I did not think we would be five and zero going to this point. Um, obviously, the Steelers. They absolutely destroyed the Cleveland Browns, thirty-eight to seven. The defense looked nastier than ever, and it, I mean, it's definitely going to be a tale of two sides, really, because the Steelers—they have a decent offense. I mean, Roethlisberger is showing that he's still got it. He's not performing at an MVP level, but I mean, he doesn't really have to. James Connors come on in the past couple of weeks. Uh, he had a hundred yards this past game. Um, had a decent game the week before too. And Chase Claypool, man, I. I don't know. I know everybody's been talking about Justin Herbert and uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Joe Burrow for Offensive Rookie of the Year, but if Claypool can keep this up, then Claypool's making his case for Rookie of the Year also. Um, but, I mean, really, when you talk about the Steelers, it's the defense. They they lead, despite having played one less game than their closest competition, they still lead the league in sacks at this point. Um, you know, they, they're maybe finally starting to get that secondary put together, and probably one of the best, if not the best run defense in the league on the Steelers at this point, the Titans, obviously everything runs through Derrick Henry. I mean, Ryan Tannehill has been playing decently, but if they can't get Derrick Henry going, then it's going to be a rough day for them. He had a huge game against Houston, um, busted off a 94 yard touchdown run. And, you know, having a, a having having AJ Brown back has been big for Ryan Tannehill. I'm not sure. I know John U. Smith got hurt in the game against Houston, so if he's not able to go, that's going to take away a big target from Ryan Tannehill. But if I have to give my un, I mean, this is this is still going to sound biased, <laughs> but um, I do think the Titans are going to struggle in this game a lot because. I know the Steelers are going on the road, which obviously is not as big of a hindrance this year as it has been in past years um, because there's not a lot of fans. But I will say one thing, the Steelers do play. They they play up to their opponents and they unfortunately play down to their opponents. They've had a couple instances where they'll, they'll play really bad teams and they still play down to them, but they play up to big opponents and one thing that's going to really hurt the Titans in this game, like I said, is the fact that the Steelers probably have one of the best, if not the best, run defenses in the game. And if the, the Titans can't get Derrick Henry going, Ryan Tannehill's not going to carry them to a victory. And if the Steelers, like I said, it's going to be a defensive struggle in this game because the Titans have a decent defense, not nearly as good as the Steelers, but it's decent. But I think the Titans are going to struggle more in this game because they rely so much on Derrick Henry, whereas... The Steelers can get things going with there's they have a multitude of weapons on offense. And I mean, even Ray Ray McLeod of all people can run end arounds for the Steelers. So if I have to give a score on this game, it's probably going to be, I would say it's going to be relatively low scoring in my opinion, but I would have to go with 24 to 14. The Steelers win. Hello, Zach. Are you there? <laughs> oh God, I, I was no, no. I was, I was, I had myself muted. I was talking. I forgot that. I was like, myself. did I get disconnected or something? <laughs> like, darn! Did that whole spiel oh, just go unheard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Let me uh, let me think of what I just said and say that. Uh, what I was saying though is, um, you, we're not writing this down or anything, but we'll go back and uh, 
I don't know, maybe someone is writing it down, but this be this episode is being recorded, so we uh we have that on record twenty four fourteen Steelers is what Connor said. Um I will go back to being unmuted and I'll let Nate give his uh his preview and his take of how this game will go. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm uh this is definitely one I'm really excited for outside of um you know the my Pats games I haven't really been looking forward to too many matchups, so I'm definitely interested to see how this one goes. Um I think it's gonna be interesting, especially um after this last week's games. We saw obviously what the performance that Derrick Henry had. Um he just went crazy again. He's I thought personally that they would have um a drop up this year, the Titans, but he looks, you know, just um like where he left off last season. So I think it's gonna be a real test for the Steelers. I mean they've played some decent teams um, to this point, but I think um, this is a very solid test for their defense. See if they can stop or at least slow down a guy like Henry, and you know force Tannehill to um, get into throwing like what we saw happen in the playoffs last year. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting one for me. I think definitely the Steelers will put up their points, especially like what uh, Connor said about Claypool. I think um, that passing game is starting to get going, and um, I think. I think this is looking to be more of a potentially offensive game, in my opinion. I think if I had to guess a final score, I think I'm not sure we're going to go back and do this again, um, say all our scores. But I think my pick would have to be uh, like 27-24 um, Steelers. All right. So that's 27-24 Steelers is what Nate's predicting. So a, a close game. Uh, Eric, let's hear from you now on uh, on this game. Yeah, I think Connor and Nate brought up a lot of great points. And the only thing I can really think of to add to this um, that they didn't bring up, I feel like while the Titans are 5-0, and maybe this is just a Jags fan in me here but and a Titans hater, but I feel like <laughs> they're very lucky team to be 5 and 0. Oh. I hmm. mean, cuz they they struggled to beat the Broncos. Uh there were some questionable calls in the game against the Jags and the Jags almost beat them. And we can see how amazing the Jags have been since uh <laughs> that game. So that, you know, I wouldn't really argue wah, wah, wah. Uh, yeah, I would argue that both of those wins were not really that impressive. Now, their win against the Bills that was a great win. Like that was dominant. But then it seemed like they got lucky again against the Texans with them making that bonehead move to go for two when they were up by seven and all that. And it just seemed like that was really costly for them. And, and they got the they got the uh, coin toss. Yeah, and they got favorite. the coin toss in overtime. So maybe if the I mean the Texans offense was clicking in that game. So maybe if the Texans had won the coin toss, they would have won. So I don't know. I feel like the Titans overall are very lucky to be 5-0, and whereas the Steelers have been impressive the whole season so far. So I feel like the Steelers will win this game, and I actually think it's going to be fairly easily. I'm going to say Pittsburgh 31-17. to Okay, 31-17 uh, Pittsburgh, and I'm, I'm going to make it four picks for Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going to pick the Steelers to win. Eric brought up a lot of good things that I was going to talk about, how the Titans, and, and you know, 
Connor's biased pro Steelers. Eric and I are biased anti Titans. <laughs> um, <Pretty much. laughs> so, so what you're saying is Nate's the only unbiased. Voice yeah, on Nate, here. Nate. When Nate was talking, that was yeah. the only bias there. Um, but no, I I've watched the Titans and the Steelers this year, and honestly, both of them have had their struggles. But when it comes to the matchups. Um, Steelers offense versus Titans defense is where I have the biggest mismatch. And I just don't think the Titans defense is that good at all. Um, The Titans offense going against the Steelers defense is going to be a battle, but I'm giving the edge to the Steelers defense. I'm going to say the Titans, um, they will end up scoring uh, because scoring is up with every team in the NFL this year, basically, unless you're the Jets. Um, <laughs> so in and, and Vrabel's the kind of coach, so I'm going to go into my, the reason of why I'm going to say the score is the score. Um, Vrabel's the kind of coach that likes to go for it a lot on fourth down. They have a shaky kicker from earlier in the year. So I'm going to say the Titans get four touchdowns actually. Uh, so I, I don't think the Titans offense is going to be why they lose. I'm going to say the Titans score 28, but the defense is going to, let Big Ben control the game. And I'm going to say the Steelers get 38. So I'm going to say 38-28 Pittsburgh. Um, opposite end of the spectrum from, uh, I got defensive struggles. I just got a shootout going. <laughs> yeah, here. it's funny. We like picked, um, like, every as Eric, or as Connor went, then Nate, then, then Eric, then myself. We all got, it, it went going up and up in the points. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's our analysis. But, Hey, I mean the Titans. I haven't. I'm shocked they're five and zero. I six and zero. That'd be uh, that'd be something crazy. <laughs> I, th- um, I thought you were. I thought you were going to mention something about how. Uh, you know, obviously you were so you've been so big on the Browns all year. After like what happened in that. Oh game, yeah, that, that was, was that was another thing that was shocking me. The, the Steelers, how they beat down on the Browns so so badly. Um, that was that was the another thing that was tipping the favor because. Honestly, up to that point, the Steelers hadn't really played anybody great. Uh, they had the Giants week one. Um, Broncos. Broncos, yeah. So they, they've had some, some easy... Eagles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, But that, that win against the Browns, it was at home. They got to go on the road here. But like you said, the, the road home thing doesn't mean as much this year. Um, but all right, guys. So you heard our score predictions there for that game. But now we want to turn it over to a much more depressing topic so we were just talking about <laughs> five and oh teams now uh now we gotta sigh and talk about tanking um so for anybody who doesn't know i'll just say the basic basically the basic of tanking is when you have a bad team and you want to secure the best draft pick in the next year's draft that is tanking is basically the act of trying to lose which uh is really just n- trying not to win um and the players don't tank. That's we know that they they're trying to fight for their jobs. They're trying to fight even if they're not going to make it back on this team. They're trying to get a contract from another team, and they're trying to put their best uh, gameplay on tape for future evaluators. So there's never any case where there's a player that's going to purposely drop a pass just so the team loses and they get a better draft pick. That's that's never going to happen. But Tanking is when executives make executives make decisions like in my eyes when Washington benched Dwayne Haskins. To me, that was like a tanking move because 
I think Haskins is their best quarterback, um, and they chose to make him third string on their team. To me, that's a tanky move. It'd be like if the Jaguars were to bench Minshew and put in, uh, what's that guy, Mike Glennon, as their starting. That would be a tanking move. Um, and then there's other more subtle ways other than just quarterbacks that you can do stuff like that. Trading away your best players, giving your star players uh, more rest. Maybe if they're hurt, maybe you don't rush them back from injury like you normally would have. Maybe you'd be like, okay, let's just uh, take the year off with your nagging injury. These are the subtle ways of tanking. Um, and the real question is fans. Fans are divided on this. We'll probably be divided as a podcast on this. But where do you stand as a fan for your team? Let's say in the situation of Jacksonville. Where do you stand as a, as a fan? And I'll go first with my, my talk, and then I'll be interested to hear what Eric says. But here's where I stand with tanking, guys, is I'm not for it, and I would like to get Trevor Lawrence in the draft, but the problem is is when you look at teams that get the number one overall draft pick, you have to go all the way back to Eli Manning as the last number one overall pick in the draft to win a Super Bowl as a quarterback. Um, Eric Fisher was an offensive tackle drafted in 2013. He won the Super Bowl just recently, but we all know why they won the Super Bowl, because of Mahomes. So... But all the other quarterbacks... No, it was, it was totally him. It was totally him. <laughs> <laughs> but every every quarterback that's gone first overall since Eli Manning in uh, the 2004 draft, uh, none of them have won a Super Bowl. And there's some uh, young ones. Who, it's too early to tell will they win one, like Burrow and Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Some of the more recent ones, it's like, okay, the jury's still out on that. But... Uh, the fact is, is it's definitely not a guarantee. It's and the odds say it's actually rare that that happens. Uh, while I do think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the draft, I think if the Jaguars do end up going one and fifteen, I think that's such a bad standard to set. And I look at the Dolphins of last year as the perfect case why not to tank. Uh, I've actually got a picture here on YouTube of this uh, lovely Dolphins fan saying, stop tanking. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree with her. And let's look at the Dolphins as a case example. Uh, they ended up with the number five overall pick in the draft, which is actually where the Jags currently are. Um, and they got a quarterback. Jags might be able to get a quarterback at five um, or trade up. And they ended the season strong and they're starting this year off pretty strong they're 500 right now three and three the teams that picked after or the teams that picked before the the dolphins got quarterbacks they were looking like they're going to be pretty good in the future like cincinnati with burrow and um herbert with the Chargers. so they're they're feeling good about themselves too but the dolphins have to be feeling great because uh they've started starting to establish a winning culture the cleveland browns from a couple years ago they did not establish a winning culture since they've drafted Baker Mayfield. Um, the Colts, when they drafted Luck, they had a couple years of success, but it wasn't for a long time. And there's been some busts in between um, the the Manning draft to now. So just getting the number one overall pick doesn't guarantee you a Super Bowl. Like everybody thinks it will. And I would rather my team win a couple more games than just go one win or zero wins or two wins. I want to get 
much wins as possible. And another thing, too, about tanking that I have to say is um, every game I go into watching as a Jags fan, I, I root for them to win. I do not root for them to lose, even if it affects the draft order. With other teams, yeah, of course, I want the Rams to lose. I want the Vikings to lose. But <laughs> you, want, you want that early pick. <laughs> yeah, you want that because that's not going to affect you. But I just don't like it when teams try and lose. I think it's... I think it's very hard to reverse that trend of losing. Um, and there's no guarantees about anything. So just saying, oh, let's just let's just throw the season in. Let's just tank and try and lose to get Trevor Lawrence. And then we're going to be saved. We're just going to be like a miracle. We're just going to be saved. I just don't think that's how it works usually. And I know Trevor Lawrence is like supposed to be a really good prospect and everything. But you never know what's going to happen. And like I just I, I feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit, so I'll stop. But to me, you got to try and win as many as you can, even if it affects your draft status. Um, I would like to see the coaches and management go, but still, I I want this. The, I want the players to get the taste of winning. I don't want one win in September to be the only win that our 16 rookies on this team feel. I think that's a that's a really bad way to start off your career when you win one game or zero games. Um, but Eric, maybe you have a different opinion than me on this, but I'm, I'm not a t- fan of tanking. What about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement here with you. I, I think the concept of tanking is terrible. I don't think any team should ever do that. And like you said too, the players aren't going to tank. The coaches aren't going to tank. They're fighting for their jobs. But I just have to wonder, in a way, though, if, uh, like, Dave Caldwell tanked with the Jags this year because, I don't know, man. I've kind of talked about this before, but I feel like they've said that, you know, that Shad Khan put pressure on them to win now and, you know, they have to win now or there's going to be consequences and all this stuff. <laughs> but I mean, if I'm the, if I was the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars going into last off season and I was told that a lot of the players that they got rid of, like, I'm not getting rid of like, obviously Yannick and Gawkway wanted out. They pretty much had to trade him, but I would have kept Calais Campbell on the team. I would have kept Leonard Fournette on the team. I Boye probably would have traded. He was starting to struggle. But at the same time, we don't have any corners, really. I would not have traded Ronnie Harrison because you could, if anybody's watched even a minute of a Jags game this year, you can see how bad our safeties are. We have horrible depth at that position. And a lot of these guys that they traded or got rid of, they got scraps for. They didn't even really get anything in return. So I kind of think that the Jaguars management has chosen to tank because as I've said in previous episodes too, I feel like they, they know their jobs are safe. They, they, if they were really pressured to win now, they would not have gutted the whole team like that. That's something you don't do when you have to win now. So I kind of think they were trying to set up for the future by letting everybody go. And a lot of them being let go for nothing or barely anything, but the main reason why I hate tanking, though, is just because Zach kind of alluded to it, but it just it sets up a losing culture in the locker room. And that's 
the last thing you want. And unfortunately, I feel like that's what's happened with the Jags dating all the way back to when Gus Bradley was hired as the coach. It was almost like, well, guys, it's okay if we lose as long as we try to get better. As long as we have fun, guys. Effort. It's effort. Yeah, as long as we're trying really hard, uh, (laughs) that's that's the key. And when Gus Bradley first came in, I was all excited. The key to your lock? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I was excited when he first came in with that mentality because at the time, we really sucked. I mean, we had nobody on the team. And so, like, literally Maurice Jones-Drew and Paul Pozlesny were the only – players that anybody outside of Jacksonville had heard of. So I was okay with it at the time because I'm like, yeah, you know, we suck right now, but you'll get better, try hard. And then once we got more talent, I'm like, okay, now it needs to be, we got to win. We got to start winning. We've got some talent. We got to start winning, but it was still the same thing. Oh, you know, give it your all guys. Next (laughs) year, next year. You just, you just (laughs) knocked a guy out of bounds for a 15 yard penalty. Well, you were trying though. So good job. Or, oh, you, you missed that. Extra point, Jason. Jason Myers Garrett was, would have done wonders for you guys as the yeah, coach with his clapping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jason Myers, you missed that. He, he's he's basically goal, Jason. Myers. Yeah, Jason Garrett. Yeah, he basically was. <laughs> he was a, he was a more hyped version of Jason yeah. Garrett. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, more random, I, yeah. yeah, and so even when we started to get talent, we still weren't focusing on winning. It was still a losing culture. And then even now with Doug Marone, it's like I don't even know what's going on. But honestly, it's been so depressing watching Jaguars football these last few weeks. Like after we beat the Colts, I was all excited, you know, and then I watched the Titans game mm-hmm. and almost won that. I was like, okay, I got, you know, we still have reason for optimism, but then after that Miami game, it's just gone so downhill for me. Like I watched that game. It sucked. And then just every game since then, I've just looked at the score, like while I was at work, like, let me just look at the score. If we, win or it's close or something i'll watch it later on game pass but if not whatever and then i saw we were losing to the lions 34 to 10 in the fourth quarter i was like i'm not even gonna watch this game like i i just couldn't even muster up the energy to do it and it just it's, feels bad, like... it's bad for your health to, to watch that like really it <laughs> it is. Is. it's bad it for is. your mental health but like... that's the thing it's like We've literally, in the last full decade, have had one winning season. I mean, it's it's a. It, I just feel like, yeah. and yet y'all somehow always figure out how to beat us. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. But you know, but most of the times when we have beat you, it's been like the one time we play y'all. It's when we do have a good team, like when we had David Garrard and MJD and all them, yeah. or when we've had like. Ramsey and Miles Jack like Bortles, and, like best year. <laughs> yeah, the one year Bortles was good, you know. <laughs> like, you know, well, we ain't beating the Steelers this year. That, that's you can take that to the bank. But anyway, like I, I hate the concept of tanking. I'd rather I'm like Zach. I'd rather win a few games, establish a winning culture. You'll still be able to bring in talent the next year, regardless. So even if you don't get the number one overall best player, like you're still going to be able to get some good players. You know, I would have rather just seen our team be decent this year and Minshew end up being the guy, but it doesn't look like that's happening. But so I don't know, man. It just oh, I hate talking about the Jags. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eric, Eric, you just to just cool down a little bit. Yeah, uh, let's hear from pass the mic over. Yeah, yeah, pass the mic over to Connor Nate. Non Jags fan. So try and imagine yourself in the situation Eric and I are in and, and how you would react. <laughs> well, I mean, I will say this about tanking in my mind is that I think that 
the fans and social media have honestly overhyped and overdone the idea of tanking because in my opinion, like I don't condone like, you know, gutting people for no reason. And, you know, you know, having a, you know, like we suck this year. So we're just going to accept that, you know, like, like a a guy gets like a normally like a three week injury, but he's out for 10 weeks. Like, right, right. Something like that. I mean, like if you're kind of, if you're in a situation where you're like at the end of the season and like, you know, you're not going to make the playoffs, then like, that's fine. Because like, you know, especially if it's someone who's really good. Like I know the Packers have done that with Aaron Rodgers before where like, you know, they'll be down to like the last two weeks of the season and he like could come back, but it's like, okay, we're, you know, we're five and eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way we're making the playoffs. So, you know, we're just going to bench him because there's no point in risking him being hurt. But yeah, if it's like week three and you, and you like, you know, sprain your ankle or something and it takes like six weeks for you, like, and not just a high, not a high ankle sprain, but just like a regular ankle sprain. And it takes you like six weeks to come back. Like that's, that's ridiculous. But because in my but like I said, the way I think it's been overhyped, because in my mind, some of the things that would classify as tanking in my mind aren't really as bad. Because I think if you have a situation where you've got a really good player, but maybe they are or players, you know, this can be plural, if they are, you know, a cancer in the locker room, you know, kinda like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were, or, you know, they've got really bad contracts. Like, you know, maybe they've been like decent, but they haven't played up to the level of that contract and like, you know, the rest of your team is kind of mediocre. I'm not against getting rid of them, especially if they're cancers in the locker room, getting rid of them for less than maybe what they're worth. Just because I feel like sometimes it's good to have a reset. And I mean, I think that's kind of the same way a little bit like with the NBA too. like getting rid of really bad contracts if you can, even if it means you're not really getting that much in return, it can really set you up for the next season and, you know, really put you in a better position. Now, having a losing culture sucks, but, you know, I do think there are times when, um, I think the I said I think this is where the fans like they're like oh well you're tanking and like you know this this season's already over so you might as well not even try like you know I think that's really where a lot of like the losing culture comes from because honestly like you said unless it's a, some coach like Gus Bradley or Jason Garrett like you guys said the players aren't going to quit the coaches aren't going to quit like they want to win like even with all the fans in Miami like you know obviously Zach has the picture of the lady with the stop tanking sign yeah. but. You know, most of the fans in Miami probably didn't want that. Like, they were still out there rooting for the Dolphins to win. Like, you know, who knows? Like, I mean, my dad is like the – my dad's a good example. He's the eternal optimist with the Buffalo Bills. Like, <laughs> they could be like a 1-6 in six team, and like, you know, they'll be going into a game against uh, like the Pat- – like, let's say the Patriots, you know, like last season with Brady and everything. And he'd still have a thought like, you know, like he'll be he'd be realistic about it. But he'd yeah, still he's have not going like, to bet his life savings on it. Right, like. <laughs> right. But, you know, he'd still have a thought like, all right, you know, we, we can win this game. If things yeah, go our way, like, you know, we have a chance. And like I said, I think that's the way most of the fans were. But you just have like the, you know, loud mouths, which yeah. are the ones yeah, that right. speak out louder that are like, oh, well, you know, we should just tank and get, you know, tank for Trevor, yeah, tank for Tua, like, you know, yeah, yeah. all those things. So, um, so I guess like I'm kind of in the middle on this one. Like there's things about tanking that i you know think are okay that i would be okay with but there's other things that i'm like i said with with the fans and also the whole losing culture thing like they're those things are bad in my opinion 
All right, Nate, let's uh, let's hear from you. Your your team might be in the considered tanking vote after the past couple of weeks, but uh, yeah. how do you see it? How do you feel about it? Yeah, the but... cover <laughs> thing. The um, uh, where, where do you stand with uh, with this? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll keep it short because yeah. I I definitely agree with most of what pretty much everything you guys said. I'm I'm definitely in the anti-tanking boat. Um, I think especially in the NFL, at least in the NBA, you can kind of see the justification where you know if you are one of the worst teams and you win the lottery and you got a guy like you know LeBron or um, even like a Zion Williamson or John Morant coming along that can definitely like instantly take over your team. That's one thing, but I think even in the NFL, a tank for a guy like Trevor Lawrence, like, you know, if you're the Jets, like, oh, great, you got Trevor Lawrence, but literally everyone else on your team, on your roster is awful. So, like, what's, and you know, who's he going to throw to, who's going to block? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like you're going to have either Adam Gase or some other unknown person coaching and, like, you know, so it's, it's not even, to me, worth the effort, I think, to go through it in the NFL. Like, cause like what Zach said, there hasn't been a number one overall pick who's won a Super Bowl since Eli Manning. And it's like, there's there's no guarantee whatsoever that even getting the one of the top three picks is going to, um, you know, set you up for future success. And on top of that, just the whole um, attitude of tanking. I don't know if, you know, it's never been confirmed, you know, which teams are actually tanking. <laughs> you know, we kind of can maybe tell as fans, but it's yeah. like, you know, it's like kind of what you guys were saying about the Jags too. It's like, it's a bad culture thing. Like, if you guys come into work and uh, you know, you're not trying to actively win every single game, like those players are going to come back next year, the ones that stick, they keep around, and they're not going to, you know, have a culture of they're winning. Gonna like, they're going to think losing gonna, is okay. Like, they're they're going to be acceptable. Yeah. You know. Everybody's a winner, guys. You participated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's. Yeah, I'm, that's. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys all feel like me because I was. Yeah, like Connor said, the loud mouse on Twitter. You see that a lot. So I was thinking, okay, maybe some of you guys are going to be like, yeah, let's just suck this season, and then next year we'll be in the Super Bowl. Like, that's not how it works usually. Um, Money ball but, tends to not work. <laughs> let's uh, let's go real quick to talk about the game of the week. I'm hearing an echo. I'm not... Yeah, I'm hearing one, too. Hmm. Um, I'm not hearing an echo. I, is it must maybe? be Eric, then. Let me mute my, <laughs> yeah. my mic. <laughs> Okay, um, so the game of the week, Green Bay at Tampa Bay, uh, Battle of the Bays, as they call it on TV. Um, Tampa <laughs> won this. E- Tampa won this easily, uh, thirty-eight to ten, and it was basically over midway through the third quarter. Green Bay was lifeless on offense. Tampa, their defense, man, they, that's something. That defense is something else. They're, I think, the best or second best defense in the NFC right now. Um, you saw even this is what's I think it's between like them, the Ravens and the Steelers for like yeah. best defense in the league right now. Yeah, yeah. It, for the <laughs> NF for for the NFC, I think it's between like them and the Bears, maybe. Yeah. But um but yeah, the we saw and, and I was honestly surprised with the way the defense was against the run without Vita Vea, but it was just next man up and, and they did pretty good against the run, but really um it was the pass rush that made the secondary come up with all those big interceptions and they even missed some interceptions. Some went through guys' hands. Um, so Tampa to me gets 10 out of 10 on the defense. And then on the offensive side, two things, re- actually there was 
three things that really impressed me at Tampa. One, Brady's accuracy was back. We saw that. We saw him throw a deep ball that was pretty accurate. He got a pass interference that set him up on the one-yard line they scored. Secondly, Ronald Jones had another back-to-back 100-yard game. He's been a real surprise to me. I, I, did, I expected Brady to be accurate, and he's last week he wasn't that good, but he, he's Brady stepped back this week. Ronald Jones has quietly been a good running back this season for Tampa. And then the he's on my that, fantasy team. Thank you, Ronald Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, the, the thing that um, the thing that surprised me, but obviously this won't happen again, is no penalties. They had a penalty. Uh, Nadamakan Sue had a dumb uh, late hit penalty, but it got canceled with the Green Bay penalty. But other than that, no penalties for for Tampa Bay, which they had, up until that point they had been notoriously bad with getting penalties. And it literally cost them that Chicago game they, when they had like a third and uh, 30. And then, uh, you know, you, you can't get in third and 30s in the NFL, no matter who you're <laughs> playing. Um, so, yeah, the, the Buccaneers shined in every way in this game. And then with Green Bay, I think they really got exposed for who they really are, which is beating bad teams, but not winning the game. And... If I want to compare this to something, I'm going to compare this to like the Green Bay San Francisco game last year in the regular season. Um, this is really what that reminded me of. And I think these two could meet in the playoffs later again. Tampa has the tiebreaker now with uh, for home field if it gets to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers had one of his worst games ever. Um, He'd been doing great up to that point, so I'm not going to say, like, okay, now Aaron Rodgers is done. Bringing Jordan, I'm not saying bringing Jordan Love or anything like that. But, <laughs> um, but man, the Tampa Bay defense fooled him a lot. He had a delay of game one time. Um, he looked kind of confused, kind of like Brady last week with the fourth down thing. Is what that reminded me of. Like not looking at the play clock, throwing the interceptions. Could have been four interceptions, really. So those are my takeaways. This, to me, though, was a statement game. It wasn't like the Buccaneers won on a field goal late in the game or uh, something little chippy happened and Tampa won. Like, this was a beatdown. And it's, I think if these two teams meet again, this could be like a San Francisco-Green Bay situation like last year. But, uh, Nate, I know you also watched the game, so I'll let you... Uh, fill in anything I missed um, where you may be more impressed with Tampa or let down with Green Bay because you picked Green Bay to win this. Yeah, I mean, you definitely hit on most of the uh, things. I was, I would say I was more disappointed with Green Bay. I mean, I knew Tampa would come out, and um, I thought Brady looked good all year, and especially getting um, some more, you know, on the same page with his guys and getting people healthy. I, I knew they would come out and look good offensively, but – I was surprised, like you said, Aaron Rodgers had one of his worst games um, that I can remember in recent years, and um, just didn't look good at all. So that was I was more surprised that he came out flat. And I know Tampa has a pretty solid defense, but I expected, you know, at least this game to be competitive, and definitely wasn't. So um, I, I mean, think uh, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how Green Bay does going forward. And yeah, yeah, I was gonna say let's. Uh... Let's hear real quick, Eric. I'm going to skip you, but I want to hear from the uh, most notorious Tampa Bay critic on the show, Connor. <laughs> and, uh, you got to <laughs> um, have a reputation here, but yeah, I mean, I think 
I mean, I definitely am with Nathan. I'm more on the side of I was surprised at how flat Green Bay came out just because of how dominant they had been over the first few weeks. I think the main thing for me with Tampa is that, I mean, they had proved to me from week one that their defense was good. I mean, looking at how they played against New Orleans and everything like that, that's never been a question for me this year. It's just I need to see the offense. I mean, like, I want to see them have two back-to-back games where they're good because – their wins this year have come against, you know, they came in, they had one week where they beat Denver, and then they had another game where I can't remember who they played. Carolina. Like Carolina, like another like pretty bad team. So in my mind and then they came out and looked I know they were missing Chris Godwin and Vita Vea, but like Mike Evans was healthy. Gron- and they were missing O.J. Howard, too. But, like, Mike Evans was healthy. Gronk was healthy. Ronald Jones was healthy. You know, all these other people that were, that were healthy on the offense, and they looked horrible against Chicago. I mean, they had some bad penalties, but they looked horrible against Chicago, which, even though they're 5-1, and one, I'm still questioning. Like, yeah. they're, they're shaping up to be Green Bay of last year. Like, I swear they're going to yeah, somehow yeah. go 12-4 and four and be, like, the worst 12-4 and four team. <laughs> so, you know, I just have to – I need to see – another like if they do really good against the Raiders again this week then I will be I'll start to believe in them more mm-hmm. but I was just really surprised at how bad Green Bay was in that game <laughs> after how after like what it, how they had been coming into that game yeah and speaking of how bad Green Bay was let's talk about how bad Eric's Lockboard was <laughs> last week that's I had to do that transition I here. <laughs> That nice that call. was set up to me, and it just clicked in my brain. I was like, I have to transition like that. <laughs> um, but man, sorry, sorry for stabbing you in the back there, Eric. Um, but sucks, sucks, sucks. Yeah. So the this week's lockboard it really wasn't great for for anybody. Um, but Connor finished with four points. Nate got three. I got six and Eric with the zeros. So we've had back to back weeks with someone getting zero. Hope I'm not the next one for maybe gloating right there. But um but yeah, <laughs> so I'm I'm back in the winner's seat this week with six points. Um I I was surprised. I thought I didn't know if I if six would be enough to win it for me this week with uh some people picking five pointers, but it ended up being enough for me to win the week, which I'm happy about. Uh, my correct picks were Tampa over Green Bay, like we just talked about, and South Carolina over Auburn. That was a college game that I saw had potential for an upset and got it right. So uh, those were my two out of three that I got right. And looking now at the total standings, I now broke the tie and I'm in first place with 32. Uh, Connor's in second with 30. Eric in third with 22. 10 behind the leader and Nate in fourth with 12, 20 points behind the leader. So um, that's where things stand right now. And based off of last week's standings and based off of Eric's zero point, I gift you Eric, the first pick in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have to say, man, it's not like, you know, it's not my fault that Houston's coach decided to go for it or go for two when they were up by seven, okay? That would have at least got me some points. Is Bill O'Brien back? <laughs> and it's also not my fault that Georgia's quarterback looks like Mitch Trubisky Jr. out there, okay? So I you know, can't. I, I don't know. Anyway, so to get things started here, uh, since I had the first pick, I already knew what I was going to do. 
Um, I'm going to go for a five-pointer here to get really Ooh. aggressive to start, and I'm going to take the – you're welcome, Jackson. I'm taking the Carolina Panthers to beat the New Orleans Saints for five Dang. points. I figured that'd be gone, but yeah. yeah I was considering I that like, one, actually. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Drew Brees hasn't been his best this year, and I know Carolina lost last week, but they've been a lot more impressive than people thought they were going to be, so I feel like this is a five-point game that has a realistic chance of happening, so that's why I picked the Panthers. All right, Nate, you ready with yours? Um, I am indeed. I'm going to go over to uh, college this time. I've been burnt there uh, in the past. I don't think I haven't got any points there yet, but I'm going to go with uh, Iowa State over Oklahoma State for, what's that, one point? That's three. Is it? Or three points. Three, uh, that's right. Iowa State yeah. over Oklahoma State? Yeah, yeah that's, that's three that's points. Three pointer. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. Well, I guess if I'm going to continue Zach's trend of um, beating up on people, Nate's talking about how the college has burned him. Unfortunately, pretty much everything has burned you so far this year. But uh, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah. that's that true. Like firing shots tonight. <laughs> hey, that's what you can do when you're at the top of the leaderboard, man. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, I'm I'm very uh, very happy and privileged to be back where I belong in the draft in the third and fourth round, or third and fourth pick. So. I uh I disappointed myself. It's good by... to see you back. It's good to see you back here. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm disappointed <laughs> with myself for falling out of that last time. But uh, all right. I think my first pick. I've got this one down. Uh, I've been I have my eye on a couple, but I am going to take the 49ers to beat the New England Patriots. Ooh, haven't I didn't see that one. Okay, Ooh. yeah. So that's uh three point yeah. play. Yeah, I, I was I, look, I was looking at that one. I was looking at that one. I can see that. Um. All right, so I'm gonna pick here at the with the last pick in the first round. I'm gonna go to college, and I'm gonna pick the road underdog Cincinnati to beat SMU. Um, I think Cincinnati is really trying their hardest to uh, to like maybe sneak in the college football playoff potentially with an undefeated season. I don't know, but this is gonna be a tough task for sure at SMU. But I'll take the potential three points there. Eric, we're starting the second round now. Are you ready with your pick? I am. Yeah, I. Uh, when you said you were going to college and picking a road team, I was getting really nervous that you were taking the one I was looking at. Uh, I, I would have never thought going into this season that I would have made this pick, but here I am, and I'm picking Uh-oh. South Carolina to be Ooh. LSU. Oh, that's not the one I thought you were gonna do. Oh, uh, that was that was. <laughs> I was I was eyeballing that. Yeah, I should have I should have gone that in the first yeah. round. No, that that's actually not what I thought you were gonna do. I guess I'll tell you what I thought you were gonna do later. But okay. um, <laughs> all right, I'll be curious there as to okay. which one you thought I was gonna pick. But yeah, so um, all right, uh, Nate, are you gonna go back to college again too? <laughs> Even though you're um, I was college. going to. I was actually looking at the uh, the South Carolina. <laughs> I was looking uh, at you South got Carolina right there. I, was, I, was, I, I did. I got sniped. Um, but I think I'm going to go over to the NFL this time, and I'm going to take um, Cincinnati over Cleveland. Ooh. I, I was think, looking at that um, one. Not the way the uh, Joe pick, Burrows but... looked. And... <laughs> yeah. Another one I was going to pick, but it looked pretty and good to The me. way that Cleveland got <laughs> The home dogs right but... there. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, 
I think I'm I'm trying like I've got two picks in my mind. I've got one college and one NFL. I'm trying to think which one I want to go first, but I think I want to get the NFL one out of the way since it's more likely it's a lower point value. So I'm going to take I guess I have to keep up my reputation of being the Buccaneers critic. I'm gonna take the Raiders to be the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Mm. That's gonna be a close game in my opinion, so uh, definitely could be something there. Um, all right, so I've got the the last pick here in the second round, and there's a lot of new college games, Big Ten going on here. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the five point. I'm gonna swing for the fences. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Pitt beats Notre Dame. Oh, you suck. That was the I should have taken that one first. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. <laughs> Notre Dame, like to me, every year they get. Oh, they were terrible in that game against Louisville, though. Like, yeah, twelve to seven. Like, come on, man! When you're the and number three team in the nation, it's just, yeah. yeah. And and <laughs> like you were talking, I re-listened last episode. Nate was like, or Connor was like, one of you guys pits do for an upset every year. And uh, I said Nate he, had experience with that when he picked yeah. up the beat. Uh, well, it did. Miami. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happened with Miami, but hey, it's at home. Let me go with the home dog here. But uh okay, that, that rounds the second that home finishes dog. the second round with a snipe. Eric, start in the third. Where are you gonna go, man? All right. So last week I did not take a safe pick, and after everything that happened, I was wishing <laughs> I did. So this week I will take a safe pick. I'm going to take the Bills to beat the Jets. Yeah, nothing. Uh, can't That's go wrong with that it. one. If I <laughs> if I don't get that point, I might just have to give up on the lock board. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nate. Nate. Wait, is Nate? Oh, uh... there you go. Yeah, sorry. The... Uh-huh. Yeah, my um. <laughs> there you go. Um, I think I was debating if I want to do another upset or go with a, uh, a little bit of a short thing to at least get one point this week. Um, and I think I'm going to do that just because it's better for my, uh, my overall <laughs> confidence. So I'm going to go and, um, I'm going to take, which one was I looking at? Um, I'm going to take, uh, Kansas City over Denver. Okay. All right, Definitely safe, safe, picks. safe for the NFL. Fly. Pretty solid about that. Connor, I, I can't snipe you anymore, so you, this is your last pick. Yeah, here. right. Don't, well, bl- don't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, normally my, you know, I've, I'm kind of the, I'm, I don't know what the word is, but the connoisseur of safe picks. I've made one every week just because I feel like they're important, but <laughs> I am going to break with tradition this time around because Mainly because you know Zach sniped my Notre Dame or Pittsburgh over Notre Dame pick, but I did have another co- another five point college upset in my mind. So, with that being said, I'm going to take Wake Forest to beat Virginia Tech. Ooh, got uh see see I'm not an ACC connoisseur. Maybe you know something I don't about Wake Forest being in North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took but, Boston College to. Virginia Tech last week, and that uh, that didn't do anything. For me, so. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my uh, my roots of the SEC here with the final pick, and I picked against them last week for three points, and I got it. I'm gonna do the same thing again. 
give me Ole Miss over Auburn. <clears throat> so I was, that's I was a, considering that, but I wanted a five pointer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that'll be a three pointer potential for me. So that's gonna that's gonna finish the draft there. I'll leave it on the screen for a second. Well, I guess uh, I'll say what I thought Eric was gonna do because okay, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, I guess in my in my head. I should have remembered that you said I'm going with the Road Warrior here, but like I, I, I kind of blanked that out of my head because when you were when you said I didn't think I would pick this before, I thought you were actually going to take Tennessee to beat Alabama. Um, <laughs> dude, if, if I were to pick that game, I should get 20 points if I get that. Like, it's 20, 21. So we'll give you 21. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to pick Bama over Tennessee for your safe pick. Actually, no, I. I Felt like there were other. I mean, honestly, can't, I was, can't I, was de- I was debating Bama over Tennessee, and I was debating Chargers over Jags. But yeah, I was like I can't go against my teams like that. I, I got, you, can't, you can't go Jags, wrong with taking so. whoever's playing yeah. the Jets. So. Bills over Jets is pretty safe. I was like, I'm going with that. Yeah. <laughs> really, seriously. Okay, guys. So this is the second half of our newly uh, designed um, <laughs> intro slides for the for the basketball segment called. We ain't got no it. bubble no more. So <laughs> yeah, no no bubble. So I had to change that. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of our secondary basketball logo. Actually, I, I'm a fan of this. Um, but we're not here to talk about logos that I made a year ago. Uh, we're here to talk about the. But trust Orlando. me, I, I remember those. Uh, those original logos that you pitched to me. <laughs> yeah, we went over that in the um, like the what was it the? I think the that was year, the one year episode or the one hundredth. We went over no, that. Just the fiftieth Q and A. We we showed. Oh up. yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, those are funny. You go back and look up, watch that, and see what those look like. Um, but like I said, uh, we're going to be doing some of these GM rebuilds. Uh, we're going to do two teams every week. And we're starting off the first week here. I'm going to be talking about my Orlando Magic. And then Eric and Connor are going to co-GM for the New York Knicks. They'll try and do the best they can. And then after, uh, yeah, after we're done... Yeah, your hopes up, Knicks fans. <laughs> yeah, so after, after I'm done playing GM here, Eric and Connor will, uh, will grade how I did and uh, see if they like it or not. And then Nate and I will do the same thing with the Knicks. And then next week we'll be back with two more teams and... Eric's got his thunder to talk about next week, so um, that'll be fun to listen to see how he feels about them. Probably going to be a rant, honestly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let, me, let me get started here with the Magic. Um, as a GM for this season, the first thing I'm looking at is free agency, and Evan Fournier has a player option. I'm hoping he doesn't sign. Fournier has had his ups and downs with the Magic. He's a three-point shooter. Basically, that's all he does. Um, but, I mean, he, he'll go for like 25 one game, and then he'll go for like two the next game. Very inconsistent. I haven't been a big fan of him for the past couple of years. Neither are Magic fans. So, by default, if he comes back, he's going to end up being our starter at shooting guard next year. But... He's got a player option for like seventeen million, so I'm guessing he takes that. Um, DJ That'd be along the same lines as Nicholas Batum re- refusing his. Not, <laughs> no, it, it wouldn't be that bad, but well, not that be, bad, but but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, the next uh, biggest free agent is DJ Augustine, and I am so torn about this because it's got to be for the right price, obviously. But I would love to have DJ Augustine back. 
But the thing is, is I want to transition more to Fultz. So even if we're able to bring back Augustine, which I think we can if we want to, um, I'm going to make that a priority, but it's not priority number one. But I want him to be the backup point guard because, quite honestly, he'd be one of the better backup point guards in the NBA. And Fultz has got to become the starting point guard next year. And he's got to take over more minutes in the rotation. And Augustine's getting up there in age to see that 32. So Augustine's been on the team for a while now. I want him to come back. MCW, Michael Carter-Williams, not going to bring him back. James Ennis, though, has a player option. If he comes back, he's our starter at small forward next year. Um, So I hope he comes back. But if not, we'll replace him with someone of his caliber in free agency. But he played really well in the bubble. So I hope he... Uh, takes that player option. Uh, probably not, though, with $2 million, He probably goes to free agency. That's tough to say with him, though. Um, I don't know. This is the thing with the Magic. Is there's a lot of unknowns with the player options. Um, I think Fournier takes, but Ennis, I really don't know. But want him to come back. If not, I'd bring back Wes Awundu. He's been on the team for a couple of years. Kind of a gritty defender. But getting to the weaknesses now of the team here is uh, going to be small forward because Jonathan Isaac is going to be gone for the season. Um, and let me, let me go through the starting five now um, with what I think, and I've got it written down here, so I don't have to memorize it, but I've got Foltz starting at point guard next season. I've got Fournier starting at, at shooting guard. Uh, I've got either Ennis or a free agent at small forward and then Gordon and Vucevic as the starters. And this is the year where we're expecting to make the playoffs, but um, we're really looking for growth between Fultz, Bamba, and Okiki. Chuma Okiki was our first-round draft pick from last season, um, played really well at Auburn. A lot of people consider him like maybe the steal of the draft because he had an injury, but he's rehabbed. He'll be back for next season. And Chuma Okiki is someone that's got to step up for us. He has to be in our long-term future. So while he's not going to be starting next year, I want to see him progress. I want to see Fultz progress. Former number one overall pick, Markel Fultz. Um, Aaron Gordon, I think we know what his ceiling is. And it's not great. It's it's honestly, I would like to do better, which is why I'd like to have Okiki replace Gordon in the future. And I want to see Bomba excel, and I want to see Bomba healthy. If Bomba is healthy, we get a chance to evaluate him, and if he is what we hope he is, then that means that we're going to be trading Vucevic the next season. Um, and that's going to bring a lot in return. There's going to be some contending team that's like feels like they're a center away, and we're going to get a lot of draft picks from that trade. So if Vucevic, um, he's meant so much to the team. Uh, he has a lot of records for the for the Magic. But um, obviously he's going to be starting next year at the five. But I don't see Vuce in the long-term plans for this team with the hope that Bamba is the future. And Terrence Ross is the sixth man, obviously. He, he's used to coming off the bench, uh, a big-time three-point shooter. But he's he comes off the bench, so that's another thing. Is now we got to replace Fournier because Fournier's got the player option. Then he's done, and like I said, I don't think he comes back to the Magic after that contract is up. So 
that brings us to this year's draft. We've got to get a shooting guard. Uh, Ross is not good enough to be the starting shooting guard, but he's great off the bench. So I want to keep Ross on the team coming off the bench at shooting guard, but we need to definitely draft a guard. It could be a point guard. It's positionless basketball now, so you can draft a point guard, <laughs> maybe a taller point guard that's uh, less ball dependent. Um, and have him be the shooting guard of the future. And then this will hopefully be the future team is going to be Fultz at the point guard, that draft pick that we get this year at shooting guard. And then Jonathan Isaac, when he comes back, might be the best player on this team because he was playing really good basketball till he got hurt. Um, tremendous defensive player. This team has a lot of defensive studs on it other than really Fultz. And we don't know what I'll have to be with the draft pick, but um Isaac as a wing defender is going to be great he his offense has gone up each year and Okiki I'm really excited to see I'm excited to see how Okiki does and he's hopefully going to be the future at power forward um by the way too we're going to get some stuff in return for Vooch so we're going to have some more bench players once we trade Vooch and then hopefully Bamba is the center of the future that's why I want to see. Bomba's the center of the future. Um, this starting five with that draft pick to be determined. Um, but I'm not really looking at free agency to bring in bring in any big free agents this year. If James Ennis comes back, I'm fine with James Ennis starting at small forward next year um, because Isaac's going to be that long-term small forward. And there's Aaron Gordon is the big question mark. Is he going to take that next step? And if not... Okiki's going to replace him in the future because there's more potential with Okiki, in my opinion. But Gordon's a great player to have coming off the bench. So if you have Gordon, Terrence Ross coming off the bench, um, and whatever we get back in the Vucevic hole, draft pick, um, draft picks and players, prospects, that's going to set this team up in 2022 to be potentially really good with the starting five. And Fultz, too, is really another big key like Fultz has to has to take the next step and he's played a lot better than he did in Philly but um I don't see this team making too many changes but Fournier's got to go we need to trade Vooch after this season when his he still got value and we really need these guys that we've picked recently in the draft to develop Isaac to me is the only sure thing out of this um but I am promise. I, I do feel really good about Okiki and Folds. Bamba, if he stays healthy, I think he can be really good. But that's the problem. Him staying healthy and then got to draft a shooting guard this year. So that's that's how I've rebuilt the Magic. Um, kind of keeping a lot of things intact, not moving too much around. But uh, Eric and Connor, what do you guys have to say about that? I'll let you go first, Connor. Okay, I mean, I mean, I think that's pretty good decisions. I mean, there's not from like what I've seen too is like the Magic don't really need to make too many changes to their team because I mean, you know, they were already a playoff team this year. It's just more so about you know making those slight adjustments and slight improvements on what you know you can improve. I do agree that trading Vucevic should be um, a priority because Mo Bamba is he's a he's a rising star, and mm-hmm. you know having. And it's like you know, and the thing is, they can get a lot for Vooch, right? And you you can get a lot for Vucevic because I mean, he's he's really good too. But if you can, you know, 
if Bamba can really step into that role as the five, then you can get a lot in return for a player like Nikola Vucevic, at least. And as long as, you know, they don't hold on to him for too long, because after yeah. next season, then no one's going to want him because like, OK, well, he's an aging guy and, you He'll know, he's got to, and, he, and he's got like a really high contract. So, like, you know, do we really want him? So um, overall, like I said I agree with the the whole idea of not really making too many changes and just kind of focusing on bringing back a couple key players and mm-hmm. developing others. I think that's a good strategy for the magic. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I'd have to say, even if Evan Fournier does accept the, the player option, I would even be game to trying to trade him in the current season instead mm-hmm. of letting him just play the one year and walk away. Like, See if you can I just, you we can just get don't, something for him. Yeah, I'm just because other than Terrence Ross, we have no shooting guards right now. So they obviously have to draft a guard, but I think if Fournier comes back, I think we want to be somewhat competitive this year. I just don't know what we get in return for Fournier. I don't think we get anything good in value versus what he gives us for one season. But Well, that's true. That, that's, a good, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I feel like it's a solid set of moves. I think you're doing a great job of focusing on the short term, but then also setting up to get ready for the long term. And I think that's really what you need to do as a GM of a basketball team. So I think you're putting the Orlando Magic in a great situation with these moves here. Hire this man. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, you just heard uh, what I would do for the magic. So uh, now Connor and Eric are going to talk about the Knicks. It's uh, a bit tougher, but uh, I'll let let you guys uh, try and uh, try and help the Knicks out. Yeah. Where do we even begin is my first thing. Um. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Um, I guess what I'll start with is uh, looking at all of their impending free agents there. Uh, who cares? They can all walk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. there's, not, there's not anybody there where it's like, oh man, we gotta like we gotta really hold on to this dude. We gotta, like, you know, we gotta bring them back. I mean, what the, what the Knicks need to do, in my opinion, I mean, obviously they don't have, uh, they don't have a Paul George and a Russell Westbrook like the Thunder had going into last season, but I mean, they need to do what the Thunder did and trade away as many of these contracts as possible because while they don't have anybody that's like a horrendous contract like a Nicholas Batum or Harrison Barnes or something like that they don't have anybody like that but they've got all of these guys that they're paying like eight to ten million dollars a year for that to me just aren't that good and when you add all of that up it's just not a good combination and then it limits you from being able to you know, go after a big name in the future. So uh, I don't know about you, Connor, though, but the one player, though, that I would definitely for sure, well, I guess two guys that I for sure would not want to trade would be uh, Julius Randle for now and R.J. Barrett. I think we need to keep them. Yeah, that was that was going to be what I was going to say. Like when we were looking, we were talking about uh, potential like starting fives, like Randall and Barrett should be the two on the roster right now that are locked into their positions. Like Randall be, you know, the power forward and Barrett be the small forward. The rest of these guys, I mean, it's unfortunate for them that like 
I think obviously, you know, they don't have any horrendous contracts, but the fact that they're paying Taj Gibson ten million a year when he's thirty five years old seems a little bit high for me. And obviously he's not gonna have any trade value being thirty five years old, so they're gonna be stuck with him for another year, but Yeah, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> right. So I mean and and then obviously the Knicks, they unfortunately lost out for their sake in the draft lottery, only getting the eighth pick when I mean they didn't have the great – I mean, obviously, they weren't like the Warriors and the Cavs and the Timberwolves when it came to getting the first pick, but they still had a decent chance at it. And to get number eight uh, was a little bit unfortunate for them, especially after they lost the lottery last year when they thought they were going to be number one and get Zion. So, I mean, I don't know about you. Like, I'm not sure what they should do with this pick. Like, I don't know if they're – eight because. I would say, obviously, like, you know, you should trade it, like, try and trade to get higher, but I don't think they have anything on the team that, like, would interest anybody, like, unless you were to offer up Julius Randle, but it's like, do you really want to offer him up for a potential better draft spot? No. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't think so. And, yeah, but see, that's the thing. Maybe, I mean, obviously, Taj Gibson, we're screwed. You know, we're... we're <laughs> we're stuck keeping him but i don't know like maybe some of these other younger guys like maybe like a dennis smith jr alfred payton or somebody that's not like really old or anything but they still offer some value maybe you could offer one of them in the number eight pick to get a higher spot or even if you just trade them for future draft picks because like yeah like a higher first round pick next year or something like that yeah because the the thing with like the orlando magic with zach's build of that team the orlando magic can have a short term because they do have good players and they could still have a chance to do some damage with what they have but for a team like the knicks like we have to just strictly focus on long-term building like there is we we have to accept that we're probably going to suck for the next two years at least (laughs) you know and not that we want to tank like you know we talked about with like the other episode but we got to start setting ourselves up for the future and get some young talent get rid of some of these you know contracts that aren't doing anything like we gotta and not not just only like what the Knicks have done in the past too, is they tend to go all in thinking they're going to get the, you know, number one guy in free agency and then they don't get them. And so then they're like, Oh, well, let's just like what happened last year. Like, well, let's bring in Julius Randall and Todd Gibson. And they just start signing people for no reason. It seems like, and like they were rumored to get DeMarcus cousins too. They didn't go out. They didn't end up getting him, but, yeah, that would have been a move that wouldn't have helped them either. It's like they need to mm-hmm. their focus needs to be on acquiring draft picks and starting to win through the draft and then maybe get like a solid piece or two in free agency along the way. So Yeah, um, I, I mean I don't know what else you <clears throat> Yeah, I mean it's definitely a situation where you have to look into the long term. I do think they would be if they can I mean, I'm not saying that they are likely to because I honestly think he's going to stay in Toronto, but I do think it would be good for them if they could get Fred Van Vliet because then they could kind of parlay, like like you said, using like Dennis Smith Jr. or Alfred Payton, since they're both point guards, they could parlay one of them into getting something more uh, from a trade offer once you have that established point guard because when you have a, a point guard situation like they have, when I mean you have three below average point guards, it's like, well... 
you know, we give up one, then we're just going to end up being screwed later in the game. So if they can get Fred Van Vliet, I think that'd be good for them. But, like, looking through the rest of the free agent list, I mean, I guess they would be better served. I don't know what kind of centers are going to be around when they get to that point in the draft, but I think they'd be better served trying to draft a center rather than trying to get a free agent because, I mean, the only really, in my opinion, like, decent centers that are available right now none of them are really worth it to me for them because yeah Hassan Whiteside is going to be a free agent this year but I just don't think I think his price is going to be too high for the Knicks to really want to go after him Mark Gasol is old and aging Bismack Biombo is not very good like you know there's none of these guys on this center list I mean JaVale McGee's got a player option which he's going to take I mean there's no question about that um, unless for some reason Andre Drummond decides to leave Cleveland, but I don't know if that would be a good move either. It just doesn't seem like there's a lot of options for this team in the short term other than, like, in free agency other than Fred Pansley. And then, like you said, after that, they just need to focus on, you know, maybe trading some of these guys for draft picks and just really focusing on getting draft picks and maybe stop worrying about thinking, like... Because, like you said, I think that got them into trouble this past season when, like... You know, I, I guess I'll use an example before the draft. Like, they were thinking in their heads, like, all right, we're going to get the number one draft pick. We're going to get Zion, and we're going to get KD in free agency. Like, we're going we're gonna to go to the playoffs and do some damage this year. They need to get out of that mindset. Like, okay, you're not going to win the NBA championship in the next two years. Like, you know, yeah, like, you said, like you said, not yeah. tanking, but, like, just accept the fact that you're not going to and start looking at, at the long term. Yeah, and the the thing is, too, is sometimes people say, oh, New York's a big market. They can attract a big-name free agency. But the problem is you can't attract anybody good in free agency when you don't have anybody good on, on your team, especially right. when, you know, in today's age, you've got these players that want to team up with their friends and they want to, you know, buddy up and be a duo or a big three or whatever. When you don't have anybody on your team, you're not going to – attract anybody into the team so if they can focus on getting some young talent and accumulate draft picks and get a solid team of young guys then once they have that they could probably attract a bigger name free agent within the next couple years but like they're not going to get anthony davis i don't know who's any big name free agents for next year but you know, at the rate they're going, they're not going to get whoever's good then. So what I was looking at, though, looking they're at not going to get Giannis. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to get Giannis. Like when when Kawhi is a free agent again, they're not going to get him. They're not going to get Steph. Like They're not going to get anybody. So one thing I was looking at here just kind of as a. I, obviously, this would not be a great move. I mean, this isn't going to like blow anybody away, but I like your idea of drafting a center. But what I also think they could do looking at the free agent list here, I don't know if he has any interest in leaving OKC or not, but they could probably for really cheap get Nerland's Noel to come in, you know, probably get him for pretty cheap. You could have him temporarily start. He's not a scorer, but he's a solid defender. He's not going to hurt you. And then in the meantime, you know, whatever center they draft, uh, you know, he could be the backup coming in off the bench and, you know, learning getting familiar with the team and everything and then by the next year you have the center we draft starting you have julius randall at power forward you got rj barrett at small forward 
you know, maybe if they can make a trade or two, get some other solid pieces, you know, then you at least have a few decent pieces. So it's, you're still a competitive team. You're not tanking, but you still have a competitive team. You're still trying to set up that winning culture. Probably not going to be any, any good, but you set Mm -hmm. yourself, you take that first step in the right direction. I don't, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, no, I I like that. I, I mean, you know, I was looking over this list and I was trying to, think in my head if they could maybe pull off something when you mentioned OKC like they could pull something off like OKC did where they traded away like Paul George and Russell Westbrook but I think the way that like you know OKC was able to get away with that was yeah obviously George and Westbrook were their best players and they got a lot for them and the Knicks don't have anybody like that except for Julius Randle but the other thing that OKC had going for them was they still had I mean I know we all expected them to come in last place at the start of the season. But honestly, like they still had decent players. Like they had brought in Chris Paul through one of those trades. They still had Steven Adams. They still had Gallinari. They had still had Shy Gilgis Alexander. It's like, you know, they still yeah, had they, they got pl- them in the trade for Paul George as well. Right, right. It's like they still had decent so, people around them yeah. and they got all these draft picks. Whereas with, with like the Knicks, if they trade away Julius Randle to like try and get draft picks and something, then like then they're really screwed because then they don't have anybody remotely good. It seems like on the team, unless RJ Barrett can really take that next step um, into becoming the like the next big thing. But yeah, I do like that. I hadn't considered like you know looking at yeah you know, bringing in someone like Nerlens Noel or just like another kind of average like you said not going to hurt you center or like you know maybe in their head if I know Dwight Howard's supposed to be a free agent this off season. Um, if maybe they want to bring in Dwight Howard or somebody like that just for a season to mentor someone coming in or like Joakim Noah, someone like that, that isn't, like you well, said, I, isn't don't, I don't think the Knicks want Joakim Noah back no. after that. <laughs> probably probably not. But, like, you know, they had, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely get what you're saying though. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of, like I said, I like that idea of bringing in someone to mentor that new center. Cause that's definitely the biggest hole in their team right now is they don't have a big man and that's a bit important. So, um, yeah, I okay. I don't, I'm not sure what else there is. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is a uh, yeah. There's this is too not many, a good situation. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do like a starting five like I did and have it be remotely. Oh yeah, real. Well, I mean it's like um, you know if you have to come up with a starting five on this team, then like you know, assuming that they, I mean if they get Fred VanVleet, then if they like go after him, then he'll be the starting point. <laughs> but after that, it would be like like you know. I don't know which one of these guys was the best out of them. Maybe Alfred Payton was the best last year. I guess he's got the most experience. So I'll put Alfred Payton at point guard, and then like Wayne Ellington at shooting guard is definitely not ideal. Barrett at small forward, um, and then I don't know what you do. And then like Randall, Randall at power forward, and then whoever they draft as the yeah. center to be the starting yeah. center. But it's yeah. a really terrible situation. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Um, we did we did the best we could, Nick's fan. Yeah, you did pretty good. <laughs> I'll give I'll give my critiques and then uh then Nate will give his. Um I would bring back Bobby Portis. Actually, he was one of the better players and I would use him for trade bait. So what I would probably like do like a sign and trade or something. Well, he's got a club option, so just keep the club option. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, right. Uh, but what I would really want to focus on is I don't think this draft is going to be good outside the top five. So I would package eight and Bobby Portis and Alfred Payton or something like that to, uh, um, or even Kevin Knox, who's been kind of a disappointment. He's further down the salary list, but he's supposed to have, he was a first round pick from a couple of years ago, but trade like that package 
to get in the top five as, as best you can to number one, because I think the draft quality uh, teeters off after five or six. So I think eight's a really bad spot for them to be in in the draft. I don't think they get anybody for the long term, like a long term star at number eight. And I think they really need to do that. So I think they need to trade up and try and get it because they actually do have um, some draft picks in the future with Dallas because they for the Porzingis trade. So they have future Mavericks picks um, so they can afford to maybe spend a little bit to trade up in the draft to get a franchise changing player there. Well, it'd be um, like if they could trade up to get, you know, in a way if they could trade up to get like James Wiseman, you know. Yeah, that'd be if he, if he were to fall to them because he might fall out of the top three potentially. So um, be there at four or five to try and get him like, yeah, I would I would want to trade out of eight. Um, and yeah, the rest of the team, like you said, is tough, uh, but they got to I think they need to get Van Vliet because I'm I'm a fan of Van Vliet. I think he's a really good point guard. So I think. That would be money well spent, uh, but I agree with keeping Randall. You can't have Randall and Portis though, so that's why you trade Portis in that trade, um, and then uh, throw R.J. Barrett, the rookie. Um, I'd even consider whatever rookie they get. I'd consider starting him, um, and then have these scraps hurt, right? play along. Yeah, I would have these scraps and sign some scraps for cheap. Um, and then set themselves up for a potential future free agency where your attractive assets, the free agents, are hopefully R.J. Barrett's pretty good. Um, Van Vliet, we know, is good. Randall's good. And then try and get another legit superstar to pair with that rookie. And then in a couple years, hopefully they'd be decent. Um, I know I just made that sound super easy. It's not, but uh, <laughs> um, but that that's the only thing that's different I would have done. But Nate, uh, but overall, good job, guys. Uh, Nate, how uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I think that's pretty good. Um, some pretty good moves there. I mean, I've <laughs> I've purposely not watched too much of Knicks basketball <laughs> in the uh, last year, so just because they're so bad, I tried to avoid. Um, so I don't really know, you know, not too well versed in the situation going on there, but I think um, we'll sound like some good moves. I think yeah. um, obviously they need a lot of help there. And like you said, um, getting um, uh, Van Vliet from Toronto would definitely be a good addition. And hopefully they the draft works out favorably, favorably for them so they can get some more young talent there. But, um, yeah, as long as they can keep building around um, – um, R.J. Barrett and Dennis Smith, and um, yeah, <laughs> hopefully get some going on it, <laughs> yeah. going there. Not, not, not too much to support with the Knicks, but uh, but Twitter actually picked the Knicks, so Twitter won or the Knicks won in the Twitter poll for who we should rebuild. So that's why we did the Knicks. Uh, next week's episode, Eric's gonna take over the Thunder, and then oh. we're gonna put yeah, we're gonna put four. <laughs> western teams in a poll and one of those bad west teams will get a rebuild from connor myself so stay tuned for that uh, and then we'll be back next week with some more nfl talk as well so uh yeah that's what we got planned for the future until then guys remember be clutch bye see ya peace